Welcome to the Church for All Nations podcast, streaming live from Tacoma, Washington. We're so excited you joined us today. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. Welcome to this sunny, sunny, want me to say it one more time? Sunny Pacific Northwest, beautiful Sunday morning. Thanks for being here today. My name is Pastor J.F. Wilkerson. So honored that you'd spend part of your weekend with us. You know, I was watching that recap of 2019, and I just thought to myself, how did all of that happen in one year? I mean, it was just incredible. And the way that happened was because so many phenomenal Dream Team folks and, and prayer and, and invitations. And I was even thinking just about the, the, the power of an invitation. And um, that's really the heart of this place is to, is to invite people into a relationship with Christ and then be discipled through that. So thanks for being a part of 2019. But I, I love the end of that video. It just says, we're just kind of getting started. It's just the beginning, right? And so uh, this is going to be a great year. And it already, we're already off to a phenomenal year. So a lot of great stuff. Hey, we're continuing our series today entitled All the Feels. All the Feels. We're talking a little bit about emotions. But before we get to that, uh, I'm just so happy today because I have some family members that are here with me. And I have my mom all the way from Miami, Florida. Uh, she is here in town. Uh, my father and her have pastored a church in Miami for over 20 years now. Uh, but she's a native of Tacoma, Wilson High School grad. I mean, she, she, this is her part of the world. And so uh, I'm so happy that you're here, here today. But the reason why she's here today is because there's another really important woman in our life who is celebrating this Wednesday my grandmother, Pastor, she hates it when I say that, but Pastor Lorraine Buntain, who her and her husband, Dr. Fulton Buntain, pastored Life Center uh, for almost 50 years. Uh, she's the matriarch of our family, and I'll go as far as to say as this, the spiritual city, man. Uh, and so I'm just so honored that you're here because this Wednesday we're celebrating her 94th birthday on Wednesday. So, so we love you. Thanks for being here. Make sure afterwards you just mob these two, okay? Uh, show our, our CFAN hospitality. So we started this series last week entitled All the Feels, and we decided we'd take some time to talk about our feelings. We live in a culture where that's kind of important. We've got to get it out, right? And um, I want to talk about specifically, we've been talking about emotions, but we started this series last week talking about emotions. Where do they come from? How do we deal with them? Specifically as followers of Christ, what does it look like to honor God even with our emotions? You know, some of you already know this, but I'm a, 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 a rabid Seattle Seahawks football fan. And, and some, there's, there's probably not many of you in here, but uh, there, none? There's got to be a couple. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's some of you. Okay. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm a big fan and and, uh, you know, we live on the West Coast here, and so because of that, most of the time, the Seahawks game starts before we're out of church. It's just kind of the nature of how it all works out. And, but what I love is that we have technology, and this technology is called a DVR. You know what I'm talking about? So I never fret about, we got to get out of here because we want to miss, no, no, just DVR it, and we'll get to it when we want to get to it, right? And so we kind of have this code here at Church for All Nations, especially on our dream team, where we are all DVRing the game. So with that in mind, 
we don't tell people the score, right? We just kind of keep it to ourselves, you know? It's like, you know, just, just don't tell me. I, I, you know, don't even give me looks or thumbs up. I don't want anything. I, just, I don't want to know anything. I want to get home and get my pajama bottoms on and sit on my couch with my Doritos and watch the game myself, right, on DVR with my wife and kids. And so we kind of have this code around here where we do that. And most of the time, the code is honored. Now, there was one particular time, uh, you know, we had been here for like 14 hours straight and everyone had like played by the rules and no one, no one gave the score away. But man, I'm like, I'd parked my car way out in, you know, north, north central lot or just way deep. And I'm like, I'm the only car there. And I go to get in my car and one guy who just didn't understand the code screams out, hey, Pastor JF, how about that Seahawk win? You know, and I was like, okay, awesome. You know, but so, so we, so we do this. And so and so, you know, we get home and usually get everything set up and then we watch the game and we don't know the score and we keep turning our phones off and just stay off of social media, the whole thing. And a few weeks ago, well, it was earlier on in the season, they're playing the Steelers. And I can remember we had literally gotten in the car. I, had never, I hadn't turned my phone on. We get home and, and we're ready to go. No one told me the score. No one gave me the look in the lobby, like none of that stuff, Right. And I can remember we get home and got the food all ready to go. And I've got the game paused, the very beginning of the game, where they're getting ready to raise the 12th man flag, you know? And I'm like, yeah, here we go. Pajama bottoms on, the whole thing. And I'm ready. To, and all of a sudden, my wife's coming down the stairs. We're going to watch it together. And all of a sudden, her phone starts ringing. She looks down. She goes, oh, that's my dad. Uh, I'm going to take, take this real quick, tell him about what's going on at church. And I'm, fine, that's fine with me. We got a DVR. Take all the time you want, right? And so I just kept working on my Dorito bag, you know, and what, you know, I'm just like, I'm good to go. I'm relaxed, good to go. The thing's frozen. So she goes off and well, she's been gone for about five minutes. I go, that's, okay, that's no problem. A few more minutes goes by and I start kind of fiddling around and just kind of hanging out. And all of a sudden, I don't know how your guys' cable providers work, but mine thinks that when the screen goes to sleep, you know what I'm talking about? It kind of goes to sleep. Well, my cable provider thinks it's a good idea to randomly just kind of pop up current events that are taking place in the world. And you already know where I'm going with this. I pop my head up and all I see is the Seattle Seahawks defeat the Pittsburgh Steelers on the last drive with three seconds, whatever it was. And I was like, no! How won the win? And I, I remember I, get, I was getting up and I'm like, what in the world? How did this happen? And I'm pacing back and forth in my little family room. And then all of a sudden, my wife comes around the corner, right? And, I'm, and she just sees me in this like, ah! And I look up her eyes go, why would you answer the call from your dad? And she's like, what in the world? And I'm like, ah, the Seahawks won! And I just took out of the house. And I caught myself, I'm walking down my street in my pajama bottoms, you know. I'm walking all the way down the street. I'm like, how could she have done this to me? Why would she, why would she take her father's call like that? And, and now I know the sky. I'm just, I get, I don't know. I'd been walking for a while, I don't know, about a half a mile away or so. And all of a sudden, like, this like brick just kind of like hits me, right? Like, like, what are you doing, man? I'm like, I'm like 10 minutes from my house in my pajama bottoms down the street. I'm like, how did I... How did I get here? And I remember the walk of shame all the way home. There was, you know, Mr. Hansen, like, hey, hey, pastor, everything good? I'm, I'm, I'm good, you know, just walking all the way home. And what I have to do, I had to walk in the house and 
apologize to my wife and kids. Today I want to talk about anger for a few minutes. Can we do that? <laughs> the emotion of anger. <sighs> because he, he, here's the thing about anger. If, if it goes unhinged, if it gets out of control in our life, anger has the potential of taking me to a place that I never wanted to go to. How did I end up three blocks from my house in my pajama bottoms? What am I doing here? I allowed that emotion of anger. Now, I may have embellished it a little bit, okay? But I allowed this to kind of take, and, and man, it took me to a, I, I, I didn't even want to, I, I, and some of you sitting here, you, you say it's a silly story, but anger has taken me to some places in my life that I wish I would have never gone. Some of you are here today, and you look back and you say, man, I, I, man, some of you have lost greatly because of this emotion from God, by the way, that got out of control in your life, and there's a scar from it. I want to talk about it just for a couple of minutes here, this, this emotion of anger, and the question is, how, how can we take the power back? Because anger is a, is a powerful emotion. How, how, how can we have the power over it versus it having the power over us? Let's get to the Bible. How about we do that, all right? Numbers chapter 20. Numbers chapter 20, verses 9 through 12. Before we read it, I want to set it up a little bit here, give you a little bit of context. Moses has spent decades in the wilderness, in the desert, with the children of Israel. He's, through the power of God, led them out of Egypt's bondage, slavery. And they've been in the wilderness, wilderness now for almost 40 years. And all constantly complaining, questioning Moses' authority, if he heard from God, all of these things. And it comes to a place where, here in Numbers, this particular story within this several decades that we read about all throughout the early part of the Old Testament. Numbers chapter 20, the people are parched. They're thirsty. They're hungry. They're complaining. And they're questioning if Moses is the right person. And it's affecting Moses himself. He's hearing this complaining, and now he's getting upset with this. It's starting to boil inside of him. And so he goes to God with Aaron. You can read the, all the details of this story. But he goes to God and, and, and God tells him, I'm going to supply water. But the way I'm going to do it is I want you to take your staff and I want you to go to that rock over there and I want you to speak to the rock and once you speak to the rock, water is going to flow from the rock and you'll be able to drink from that rock and, and it will relieve the, the children of Israel, all right? So that was the order, that was the direction, that's the setting. Now let's go to the text and we'll unpack it a little bit. Verse 9, Numbers 20 says this, so Moses did as he was told. He took the staff from the place where it was kept before the Lord. Then he and Aaron summoned the people to come together at the rock. Now watch this. 
listen, you rebels, he shouted. Now, I don't, I don't know if that's always the best entry when you're, you're opening lines speaking to a crowd. Listen, crazy sea fan. It's not going to go over so well for me, okay? But it, this is how Moses approaches. He said, listen, you rebels. Must we bring you water from this rock? So he's pretty upset. Verse 11. Then Moses raised his hand and he struck the rock twice with the staff and water gushed out. So the entire community and their livestock drank their fill. Verse 12. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel, you will not lead them into the land I am giving them. What? God, it seems a little bit harsh. The guy, the guy stuck his neck out on the line for you for 40 years. He's had to deal with these complainers for 40 years and he doesn't, he doesn't do exactly what you say. You know, you said to speak to the rock and he hit the rock. And the reason why he hit the rock is because before that he'd hit, he'd hit the rock another time and that worked. And, he, you know, he's upset and he's frustrated. And, and, and you, you, you got to understand everything that's going on, God. Like, are you serious right now? You're not going to let him do his victory lap into the promised land? All because he hit the rock instead of speaking to the rock? I, I feel like that's a little bit much. But here's the thing. Yes, Moses' disobedience was part of it, but I think it was deeper. I think it had a lot more to do with him disobeying God in front of that large crowd. Because in that moment of anger towards the people, towards the situation, all of the triggers that were rising up inside of him, he, Moses, he loses his cool, and his anger takes control of him. And in that moment, he ends up losing his credibility with the people of God that he was leading. In that moment, he freaks out. And instead of speaking, he, he, ah, and he hits the rock. And in that moment, boom, all credibility of his leadership is thrown out the window. Why? Because all of the people now know that he disobeyed God. And they're all going, who does he think he is? Moses just lost his lunch. Is this the right guy? In the same way, if I got up here with a microphone and just went off about something, every last one of you would walk out of here, get in your car, and on the way home, Google churches around me <laughs> because you wouldn't want to come back or you'd kick me out of here because I would have lost all credibility with you. His anger takes control. He acts on it in a negative way, in a sinful way. And consequently, God says, no, you are supposed to represent me. You're out of here. Your, credib your credibility is gone. H historians call Moses the greatest leader of all time up until this day. And in that moment, boom, it's all gone. Credibility out the window. And here we are reading about it thousands of years later. And here's the thing. If we aren't able to lead ourselves well, we forfeit the opportunity to lead others. It's a powerful thing. And so just for a couple of minutes here, I just want, I want you to write a few things down. I want to give you three myths, if you will. Three myths related to anger and how we can offset them in our lives. Here's the first myth 
about anger, and that is anger is automatic. Write that down. The first myth that I want you to think about here, and maybe you can relate to it a little bit, is that this myth that anger is automatic, meaning you can't control it. It's a famous quote that most of you in this room know. I'll read it right now. This is what it says. It says, never in the history of calming down has anyone ever calmed down by being told to calm down. (laughs) Hashtag real talk, right? There was this school of psychiatry that argued that the best way to deal with your anger is just to let it all out. Just let it go. Go Incredible Hulk. Remember the Incredible Hulk? He would start, he'd, uh, start swelling up and the green, the whole thing, ah, and finally he just would start breaking stuff. And there, there was a school that was literally teaching that, that, hey, if your toddler just freaks out, let them let get it all out. And so we'd walk around Safeway and there'd just be like, you know, six-year-olds spinning around on the ground and we're just letting them get it all out. You know what I mean? Like, like so, so, but, but more recently, studies have shown that that maybe isn't the best strategy. Maybe, maybe that's not the best approach because here's the thing. Researchers are beginning to agree that anger can become addictive. That, that when, when, the, when the Hulk wants to come out, he doesn't want to just come out then. He wants to come out more and more and more and more. And it beca- it, 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 what happens is it becomes a coping medicine for people, a self-medicating process that I got to get it out. And the more you do that, the more you want to feel that. And the problem with that is it ends up hurting the people that we love the most. Maybe you know someone like that. Maybe a parent. Maybe yourself. Maybe you have that as part of your testimony. I don't know. But it's the myth that anger is automatic and then you can't control. It's just not the case. And as you read this story in Numbers 20, it opens up. You can read it when you get home. And it says that Miriam, Miriam was, was Moses' sister. She dies. So, he, so Moses is grieving. It, it, it like triggers him. And so in the, think about this. So here's, here's his, his sister. She, she's dead. And in the middle of his grieving, these people that he's doing life with and trying to lead, they start complaining about his leadership. I'm thirsty. Man, my, my sister just died. Can you give me a break? Right? And so it triggers him. And, and, and the Hulk... The Hulk inside of Moses is, oh, it's starting to rise up. It's starting to rise up until it was ready in time to get out. You know, Jesus talked about anger. Jesus got angry a couple of times himself. Look at this passage in Matthew chapter 5, verse 22. Jesus doesn't mince words here on the topic of anger. Look what he says. It says, but I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. So Jesus takes it a step, step uh, forward more in saying that if you just have anger towards someone, something's wrong with that, okay? But then he goes on to say, again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, raka is answerable to the court. That word raka is an ancient Aramaic word that is loaded with contempt for somebody. It was like a curse. If I, if, in the ancient world, if you screamed out raka to someone, it was, it was cursing them. Okay? And Jesus says, 
judgment time, right? Look what he says here. And anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. Right? So Jesus had to say about it. And so there's this myth that anger is automatic. It's just not the case. So the question is, how can we mature in this area? How can we reject this myth that anger is automatic? And how can we take the power back? What, what I've learned for me personally, for, for myself in this area of anger, is that most of the time, I'm usually not just angry with the situation. I, I'm more angry about how I see the situation. It's like, like perception. You know what I mean? Like, it's usually I'm not just angry about what's going on. There's all, it's the way I see the situation that fuels that electric charge in, uh, inside of me where that, 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 uh, that Hulk starts, you know, feeding on the energy of that. You know, just to put it like this. By the way, have you ever seen one of these before? Kind of the Bill Nye, the science guy thing here. Look at that. Whoa. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, turn the lights down a little bit. I was thinking about it like this, you know. I don't know how this works because I didn't do so well in school in this area of physics and science and all that. But I do think it's cool. And I know it has something to do with an electrical charge, right? And so to use this little illustration as we're talking about anger here, I was, I was thinking about a scenario that has, this is a hypothetical scenario. This did not happen to me, okay? Um, you know, you get in bed at night, you know, and you're laying there and and that neighbor's dog, do you know which neighbor I'm talking about? Gets to barking, you know, one hour, two hours, three, three hours. In fact, this one guy that I know, his neighbor's dog barks like within a cadence. It's like, hoo, 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 like, like torture, you know what I mean? Hoo. That's what this guy tells me all the time. And, and so... So, man, that dog, the dog is barking. All this, it's like, like this, this little scientific globe thing here with the electric charge in it. It's like something just kind of starts. And it just starts, oh, man. And that charge is kind of, you're just connected with that thing, right? And, and in your mind, you start saying to yourself, that idiot is in my front yard, I bet. And I bet he has a... a, 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 a Something with a to- like a like a big like a torch on it, and he's like, "Man, oh, I hate that JF bark, Fifi bark. Come on, we're gonna take him down, roof, roof, and I'm laying in bed, and oh, I I bet he's down. He's got that torch out, and ah, and then somehow you finally get to sleep, and then all of a sudden you wake up to a a five year old who's you wake up to a five year old's foot in your mouth, and you're let. You got in the bed and the bed was dry, but now you're just covered in, in, a, in, a, in a liquid of some kind. You're just, you're laying there and there's a fire on top of you and it's just like, why, Fulton, why? Why couldn't you have just peed your own bed, you know? And so you're laying there, roof, roof. And it's just like, it's just, now it's like, now look at it now. It's just like, roof. And man, this thing, ah, but somehow you figure out how to get to sleep, man, and and all of a sudden you get out of the house, and uh, now you're in the car, and you, you know, you, you get on the freeway, and you're just in traffic, you're are you kidding me, I'm going to miss my appointment, and, and you look up ahead, and you see those, oh, you see those orange cones, 
that are like making you go into the one lane because something's going on in this other lane. You're like, oh my word, I hate orange cones. And, and, and you're still obeying the rules and you're going and all of a sudden, now this, not me, this is in the hypothetical. This car comes racing by you on the shoulder and then like somehow when the cones are going like this, kind of slides right in. And in, and in your head, you're, the guy's like, ha, 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 oh, man, I took out all those people that were obeying the rules, right? And, and then all of a sudden, you walk in the office, and like all of a sudden, it's like, and you just unload on the poor little intern, right? It's just like, ah, oh, percent. Oh. Like, how do you see what's going on? But, but who knows? Just maybe. You're laying in bed, and that dog gets to bark, and and, and Stopping and thinking to yourself, maybe there's something else going on here. Maybe he's not standing in my lawn with a pitchfork and gasoline ready to you know, take my life out or something like Maybe, maybe the, the poor gentleman is going through a pretty difficult time in his life. Maybe, maybe he's hurting so bad that he can't even get out of bed to go make the dog stop. Maybe as the five-year-old's laying on top of you and you're sleeping in his urine. <laughs> why, why can't my son, he, he did this on purpose. Maybe, maybe instead of that, it's, you know what? <sighs> 18 years old, he's not even gonna be here anyway. <laughs> man, I wish, <sighs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like man, just to, just to have them around will be a, an incredible thing. Maybe on the way on 512 and those cones and that person rushing by you. <laughs> Maybe they're rushing to say their goodbyes to a loved one at the hospital. Like, like we, we, don't, we don't know. And here's the thing about this idea of uh, anger being automatic. If we can stop and do, and do a little diagnosis on what's really going on here and maybe see it a little bit different, I'm telling you, before the Incredible Hulk comes out of you, maybe, just maybe, the way you see that thing that you're so upset about, maybe it'll begin to dissipate in your life a little bit. The triggers, uh, oh. Anger doesn't have to be automatic in your life. You can control it. And here's the thing, not on your own might, though. It's a combination of you in partnership with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're here today and you just need to invite him into your life, specifically in this area of anger for yourself. So that's the first myth. Here's the second myth about anger, and that is anger is always bad. It's a myth. Like some of us, we think of the word anger and we're like, oh, that's, that's the bad, bad people are the only ones that deal with anger. That's, oh, that's bad. It's, it's a myth. Because here's the thing, An emo, uh, the emotion of anger isn't inherently bad. In fact, it actually comes from God. He, he gave it to us. He gave us all of our emotions. And here's the thing about it. If, if we're able to channel that energy appropriately, it will actually do some good. You can actually use this emotion of anger for the good. I like what Tim Keller said. He said, righteous anger is simply energy channeled to defending something good from something bad. And some of the most revered, most 
honored moments throughout modern history was when someone got mad and said, enough is enough. Last week, we celebrated the life of Rosa Parks. Talk about a woman who was just like, I'm done. Enough is enough. This is evil. I'm not getting out of this seat. Forget you, right? Got a little angry. And what happened in our history? We began to see positive change. Positive change. Because if it's channeled right, it can be used for the good. We see this in people who who battle addiction issues. I have a friend, my buddy Mitch. He attends this church. And he's been sober for 12 years. Yeah, it's awesome. And I talked to him on, I think it was on uh, last Wednesday, at our first Wednesday, I was talking to him. And I said, hey man, I'm talking about anger, you know. And, and I, you know, talk to me a little bit about that. He goes, man, I, I know a thing about that. He goes, anger is what got me into rehab. <laughs> he was like, I'm here today because I got so sick and tired of living like this. I was so mad at myself that I got to the point where I literally physically got down on my knees and said, God, I'm going to die unless you do something. And he said in that moment is when that's what drove him into rehab. And to this day, to this day, every once in a while, when he thinks about who he used to be and who he is today and what Jesus has done in his life, that that feeling comes back and he's like no I'm never going back because if you because we're going to experience it if you, if you can take that feeling of anger and channel it in the right direction man it can change your life somebody else's life and even rewrite history doesn't always have to be a bad thing that's the myth I think it's important that we as followers of Jesus, as Christians, get a little angry every once in a while. In fact, I'm kind of angry right now when I think about child abuse. I, I, when I think about poverty, it makes me angry. When I think about people right down the street in our community who don't know Jesus and, and, and they're living a life of destruction, it just it makes me angry. And it's going to take some angry Christians <laughs> To get some stuff done from time to time. Amen? It doesn't always have to be a bad thing. Ephesians 4, 26 through 27, Paul says, in your anger, do not sin. He's implying that you're going to have it. Use it for the good. Use it to change someone's life. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Here's the third one. As the band comes back, and we'll pray. And that is... This is, this is a myth right here of anger. Oh, anger helps me get my way. Have you ever noticed that there's some bosses that use anger as a management strategy? I don't know, maybe yours, I don't, I don't know. But they're just always mad and that's, that's how they get their way, that's how they get things done. Have you ever known a parent that uses anger to get their kids to do what they want? That works in the short term. You, you'll, you'll get some reaction from that for a while, but can I argue that the long term is just you 
chipping away at your credibility as a parent, if that's the way you raise your kids, just always angry. And we see this as we close in Numbers 20. Moses, he's so mad. And he decides, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use my anger to get what I want. Do it my way. You rebels. Did God say, hey, start your sermon with that? <laughs> now it felt good. It's my way. Rebels. Now you're going to make me do this. You know, I'm going to do it my way. And consequently, God says, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not going to allow you to lead the people into the promised land. Because in your moment of rage, you acted on it, you committed sin. And it was bigger than just not doing it my way and doing it your way. It damaged your credibility. But he, he doesn't just say it like that. He actually says, you misrepresented my holiness to the people. And, and we could spend an hour unpacking that word holiness, but I want you to know in that thought, in that word, the other word that packages that word holiness is love. And may I challenge someone here today, maybe you've led your family your business with anger and you're not seeing the long-term results that you're wanting, may I challenge you, change your approach to love. Like, like I, wanna, I don't want to be a father that my kids are led from a place of fear. I want it to be a place of faith for them. And the only way that I can do that is by me loving them. Does love come in different packages? Of course it does. But I tell you what now, anger isn't one of them, right? And so I challenge you today, if this is an area that you battle, where you're, you're not channeling it for good things, it's just out of control, you can make that change today. And God goes on to say that I'm a holy God. And as followers of Jesus, the greatest call is being a representation of him. But it starts with us. And if we're not able to lead ourselves well, how can we lead somebody else? Thanks again for joining us. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. For more content and to connect with us, go to cfan.church.com.